All right, welcome back to Food for Thought. We're taking supernatural food stories in the Bible, and we're seeing how they apply to our lives. And today we are going to be looking at one of the classic supernatural food stories in the Bible. And every one of these stories, every one of these situations, they start off with a problem that needs to be solved. And I'm thankful that for every problem that there is to be solved, that God is the solution and that God has the answer. And in God's economy, problems are simply just opportunities in disguise. So Exodus chapter 16, verse 2 and 3 says this, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. So they'd got out of the wilderness or out of Egypt and they've gone into the wilderness with Moses. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and we ate bread to the full. So they're reminiscing about the good old days that weren't so good. Okay. And so it says, well, we sat by the meat pots and we ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And so they're about two and a half months into this whole thing of being out of Egypt into the wilderness and they're starting to get concerned. Are we going to run out of food? And they're starting to get under pressure. They're exhausted. They're starting to give up on the promises of God already. And this is about two and a half months. How many of you guys have felt the last two and a half months, right? That's where they are at. And so they're ready to call it quits. They're ready to go back. And there's a couple things that we can learn from this story that I believe that a lot of us end up falling into that these guys are in right here. And the first one is distress. Now, I was on a webinar call with uh, Dr. Mark Rutland, who he was a guy who turned around a couple different universities when they were in trouble, one of them being ORU. And he talked about stress in this way. He said there are two kinds of stress, and he begins to list them out. And one of them is like the, the basketball coach, you know, when like the championship game, there's three seconds left on the line. How many of you guys know there's stress in that moment? And so there's that kind of stress, which is a good stress. Maybe you even might consider deadlines at work, like that kind of motivate you to get something done. Even though it's stressful, it can kind of be a good stress, but you can have too much of a good stress even, right? And so that's one kind of stress. The other kind of stress is what he called distress. And distress is totally different. It's another thing. It's when the cause of stress is beyond you. It's when that kind of stress, it lasts too long. It's the kind of stress that you didn't cause and you can't control. You can't really do anything about it. We could say this virus thing is that kind of situation. There's all these other things happening in our world that we would say we would feel distressed about. And distress is a, is a very interesting thing. It can be overwhelming. It can be exhausting. It can cause us to go back on the promises of God. It can cause us to want to quit. And right now, I believe a lot of people are feeling this distress. The Israelites felt distressed. They, they thought, man, we're going to starve out here and there's nothing we can do about it. The second thing about this story is something called delay. They were experiencing a delay between the promise and the promised land. And God wanted to teach them how to respond in a delay. How many of you guys have felt delay in your life where something wasn't going as quick as you wanted it to or something wasn't happening in the timeline you thought it should? They were experiencing a delay. And so God sends this supernatural food and it's called manna. And you've heard this story before. And, and they, they see this food and they're like, what is it? 
And that's all they did. It's like, what is this stuff? Exodus chapter 16, verse four and five says, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. So bread from the sky and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. And so they were given an opportunity to look for God, look to God as their source in this delay. And so God was going to rain bread from heaven, basically. And they would come out and they would have a day's worth of manna and they would collect it. And then there would be enough for just that day, and then the next day, God would provide again. Well, some people didn't trust God in the delay. They weren't willing, and so they started hoarding it up one day. And, and sure enough, it would turn, worms would be in, it'd be all gross, and it wouldn't last to the second day. And God was saying, listen, you have to trust me as your source in the delay. Let me just speak to some of us right now. Some of us are tempted to hoard things up or to be scared or to operate out of fear. And, and God is simply saying, trust me, I'm your provider even in the delay. And he was also teaching him the principle of the Sabbath, that you could trust God even in the Sabbath. And so on the sixth day, there would be enough, twice as no, enough for each day so they could collect it up. And sure enough, the two times amount would last through the seventh day. And so that, that's how God was teaching them. So the gap between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise is where faith lives. And many of us today, we're experiencing forms of distress. We're experiencing forms of delay. And how does God want us to interact in all of that? What can we learn from all of this? Well, of course, this is food for thought. So let's cook some food. All right, I'm here with my daughter, Shaylin, and we are going to cook some things. But the question is, what are we going to cook? Because what is it? So I'm going to read a scripture that's going to tell us exactly I think exactly what manna is. It's Exodus chapter 16 and verse 14. It says this, And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. So what did God provide for them? Frosted flakes. That's what it says right there. Now, some of you guys are like, wait a minute, that, that's just one scripture. I have another scripture to back this up. Verse 31 says this. Now, the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like a coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Wafers made with honey. So we are going to make homemade frosted flakes. And we tried to memorize this um, this is going to be easy, though. Out of all of these things, this is going to be easy because I think, what do we got to do? We just have to combine these things right here? Yeah. Okay, so we just throw this stuff in. This is going to be easy. This is just, I don't, what is this? This is like some sort of cornmeal thing or something like that? Um, that was, I don't know what that was, honestly. This is, I didn't know, I don't know what any of these ingredients are, to be honest with you. Oh, you're only supposed to use half of that, right? Okay, so we put half, that's sugar right there. Okay, so now we've got to take two cups of boiling water. This is where it can get dangerous, folks. So two cups of boiling water, um, and then we will mix this up. And there's quite a process to this, but at the end, I think the results are going to be awesome. Now, the thing is, when I was a kid, Frosted Flakes was my absolute favorite cereal. Problem was, we, we were poor, we didn't have money, so we had to get the yellow box version of it. So uh, I ate a lot of these, and so this is going to be exciting. So we're going to try this out. We're going to try to make this, okay... Boiling water, hot boiling water, 
and then I'm going to mix this thing up right here, and we're going to see. I don't know why there's two options here. I was given two options as a whisk and a... Okay, I say this is going to be easy, but this is starting to look... It's supposed to look like pancake batter, I guess. And right now it kind of looks like... I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> it kind of looks like clumps of batter. So I think we're supposed to add some more water. It's, it smells like a corn tortilla. That's what it smells like right now. So I guess if you want corn tortillas for breakfast, then uh, that's what we're going to do. We already had fish cereal a couple times ago. So we're going to throw some more of this in here. I don't know if I'm supposed to throw all that in or not. All right, this is supposed to look like pancake batter. It's kind of looking like baby food right now. Okay. All right, and while I'm stirring this up, um, we're going to talk about what the whole purpose or what they could learn as a result of God providing them manna. And uh, as good as this is going to be, can you imagine eating the same meal for the next 40 years of your life? What would you pick if you could eat a, one meal for the rest of your, like 40 years of your life? See, we were actually just talking about this at work, and I couldn't, I would have to pick like, a restaurant, like Chick-fil-A. No, you get one meal. You don't get like, oh, I just spilled that. You don't get like, you get one meal. I've already figured mine out. I already know exactly what I'd have if I could have one meal for the rest of my life. It would be Supreme Pizza because then I could uh, take off the toppings and I could start collecting different toppings and I could have a whole bunch of stuff to work with. And so I could make different meals out of a Supreme Pizza. So uh, manna is not like that. This is crazy. Okay, so what did they learn, or what did they have an opportunity to learn through this whole process? They had an opportunity to learn, first of all, who their source was. And so I want, to, I want you guys to um, commit this to memory, because this is going to be the theme of the rest of the message. In distress or delay, trust and obey. In distress or delay, trust and obey. See, what we tr put our trust in really becomes our savior. Because if we put our trust in, let's say, the economy, then when we need provision, we've put all of our hope and all of our trust in the economy, then it has to become where our salvation comes from. And so we have this opportunity to decide where to put our trust. Yeah, go ahead and throw some more in there. So how do we know what our trust is in? How, how did the Israelites know what their trust was in? They, they knew because of basically the circumstances exposed where their trust was. And so what Pastor Aaron preached on last week, the, the prodigal son, everything was going well. The circumstances were going well. And then as soon as the circumstances changed and his whole lifestyle just came crashing down because his whole trust was in the riches. And so uh, where we put our trust is very, very important because it becomes our Savior, and it creates limitations for where, where we can have our provision, our help come from. All right, that's starting to look like pancake batter now. I think so. All right, so we're supposed to spread this out on this. Okay, spray that, that pan there, and we're supposed to put that on there. I mean, it's a little bit thick still. Oh, it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll make it chunky. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to put this on there. All right, put this thing over here. We're supposed to spread this out. Oops. Oops. That's, that's why they don't let me in the kitchen. Okay, so we're going to pour that out just like so. I guess we pour all of it out there. And then we're supposed to make this about an eighth inch thick because that's going to be about the size of what you want a good frosted plate. Go ahead and open that up right there, this thing, while I'm spreading this out. We're going to inspect that 
and see how that's supposed to go. All right, so spread this out. And then we're going to put this in the oven. Okay, that really yes. does not look like it's going to work. <laughs> well, it's supposed to, it's, okay, hold on. I'm not done. I'm not done. It's just like making a cake, which I'm so good at, by the way. <laughs> it's just like making a cake. All right, so we spread that out. Just like, oops. Just like so, oops. Okay, I'm trying to go real slow here. That's about as good as it gets. That's about as good as that gets there. All right, we're going to compare. Okay, we've got one of these. Okay, ours is just a little bit thicker than that. It'll be fine. Yeah. All right, let's put this in the oven. Okay, this is cooled. Now we've got to just break this up like Frosted Flakes and then put it back in the oven. So let's break this thing up. Okay, that's a little bit thicker than it's supposed to be. It's supposed to break it up like, like Frosted Flakes. It's going to take a little bit to do. Oh, it's a little it's slimy. Squishy. Okay, let's just break this thing up. I'm supposed to make it look like the cereal. It smells weird. Well, we're going to bake it again, so hopefully it'll get... Some of it's a little mushy, though. Yeah. That's got to... Okay, now we are ready to put this in the oven for one hour. Let's do it. Okay, we've taken it out of the oven. Now it's cooled. Now we are going to try it out, okay, and see how it is. All right, you ready for this? Yeah. All right, let's just put some here in a bowl. So I was going to say is it looks kind of like chicken nuggets. Chicken. Almost, <laughs> like the frozen. Yeah, it does kind of look like chicken nuggets. No, know. that stays in there. Okay. Oh. You, oh, you think what's going to happen here is that we're both going to try it, right? That's not yeah. what's going to happen. You're actually going to be blindfolded and do a taste test Why? to see which one is the real Frosted Flakes. So we're going to pour some in here. It's probably not going to be that hard to tell, but uh, that's what's going to happen. Okay, so you are going to be blindfolded. Hold on, that doesn't even work. Hold on. I don't even know how to do this. Good. It's okay. not even, it doesn't well, even fit. Hold on. You're supposed to fold it a certain Here, watch. Works. Okay. Ow. You got it? Okay. All right. So we're going to pour some milk. Oop. Pour some. I was never good at pouring milk as a kid. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to have this in here. And you're going to try it. I'm going to mix these up. Mixing these up. I don't know if I can do it. Oh, you can do it. Okay. Number one, we're going to try number one here. I'm just going to give you something. I'm mixing it all. All right, here's number one. Here, scoot over here. All right, here's number one. Go ahead. No, just reach out. Open. It's no. Open your mouth. It's it's right in front of you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. All right, so that's that's number one. Yeah, that's Could, Frosted Flakes. Well, they're both Frosted Flakes. That's the name brand. Well, we'll see about that. All right, here's, are you ready for number two? Here's yeah. number two. <laughs> Open. We used to do this when you were little. Okay, and give me a good description of what that is right there. Um, it tastes like nothing. It tastes like nothing. This tastes like chunks. Chunks of nothing. Yeah. Okay, I think we've succeeded. What is it? I don't know. Okay, you can take the blindfold off. Okay, so which one do you guess was the... It wasn't even hard, was it? <laughs> okay, so 40 years of frosted flakes. Um, 
Yeah, I don't like that. That's really horrible. <laughs> Can you imagine 40 years of that? No thanks. All right, so when we find ourselves in a place of distress or delay, the temptation for most people is that we want to do something about it. So the Israelites, I mean, they wanted to store up more food and they wanted to store up extra food on on the days to try to last more days because they just weren't willing to totally trust God. So we want to do something about it because doing something in the delay or in the distress gives us a measure of control. That's really what trust is. If we trust in ourselves, it, it means that we're trust, we're having control in ourselves. And so trust in God means we put the control in God's hands, but that's hard to do when there's a delay or there's a distress. And so I want to caution us, if you are in a distress or delay season, to, to you have to get your act right. Now, what do I mean by that? You have to put your act or your action in the right place. See, sometimes our actions actually expose what we believe. Okay, let me, let me just show you this. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and what, at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, there's a lot I could unpack there, but what I really want to hit on is this. It says to do what you believe. So you have to have the believing before the doing. And faith is the believing. I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard this scripture. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified says this. Now faith is the assurance the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of the things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Wow, that is such an awesome verse. And I love the way that said it there. So it says, faith is like a title deed. So when I sign papers on my house, I didn't have to wonder if I owned that house anymore. I just assumed from there on out, I, even if I didn't have the title in my hand yet, even if I didn't have the key in my hand yet, I had signed the papers. And so it was mine. It was, and so I began to act as if it was mine. Walking by faith means this. It means that our actions start lining up with our believing regardless of our circumstances. Let me say that again. Walking by faith means that our actions start lining up with our believing regardless of our circumstances. So when I signed the contract on my house, what happened? I started to pack. The most natural thing for me to do was to start packing because I owned the house. And I had the assurance now that the house was mine, even if I didn't have the key to get into it yet. Even if I couldn't walk into it yet, I had the assurance. And so because I had the assurance, I began to act as if it was mine. That's what faith is like. But it, it, what hinders our walking by faith is when our act is in the wrong place. So let me give you a couple different ways to think about this. Let me give you a wrong order. Number one is this wrong order. Number one is act, believe, receive. 
Now, let me explain this. This is ultimately how the Israelites ended up roaming around in the wilderness because they acted, they got out of Egypt, but in their heart, they still didn't believe God to be their source. And as a result of that, they ended up having trouble and they roamed around for 40 years. So they acted, step one, that was good, but they didn't really believe that God was their source and that God could sustain them. How many times are we doing the right thing, but in our heart, we really don't even believe it yet? And as a result of that, we end up falling, and then we end up saying, well, you know, faith doesn't work. Well, that's, that's what happens when we get our act in the wrong place. And if you're acting without real faith, then you will fall on your face more times than not. So actions don't generate faith, but faith should generate actions. That's what the book of James is all about. So sometimes we get our act before our believing. All right, wrong order number two is this. Believe, receive, act. This is where a lot of people camp out. I, I, honestly, we get some faith, but then we want some sort of circumstantial confirmation before we should act. And so, so we start to, we believe, and then we want to receive something before we will actually take the next step. Let me give you kind of a negative example of this in my life. Um, in, uh, on my 20th anniversary, we wanted to go and take a trip. And at the time, a few years ago at the time, we didn't have enough money saved up for an extra special trip like that. And so um, we, we were just going to be like hippies and take the van and just go and, and live in campgrounds for a little bit or something. And so we just had a little bit of money to take this trip. And while I was thinking about that and praying about that, I heard God say, get your passports. I'm like, well, God, why would I get my passport? I can't afford to have a trip like, I mean, uh, I'm getting ready to take a hippie van, right? I'm taking my van and live like a hippie. And, and you want me to get a passport. It didn't make sense. We didn't have the money. It didn't make sense to even buy the passports. And, but I knew in my heart that I had heard God speak that to me. Well, I didn't, I, I wanted some sort of circumstantial confirmation and it wasn't there. All I had was just this, the voice of God, which should be enough, right? But I, so I didn't act on it. Well, a couple weeks, you know, before uh, the, the trip was gonna happen or before our anniversary, all of a sudden we had, ble we got blessed with this unbelievable uh, blessing and re we had the resources all of a sudden to be able to take a trip, but I didn't have a passport to do it and it was too late. And so it was an example that if I know that God is speaking and I knew it in my heart, I'm telling you, I knew it was God in my heart. The most natural thing that I should have done next was to act on that instead of waiting for some sort of confirmation in the natural. I already had the confirmation in the spirit. And so God wants us to go maybe to someplace, but we don't have the funds. And, and so, but we know it's God. That's when we have to start taking those steps. So here's God's order. God's order is believe, act, receive. You see, when my believing changes, it starts to affect my actions even before I have received whatever I'm believing for or before God's doing whatever he's doing. And so if you find yourself in distress or delay, it's time for us to trust and obey because what you believe should affect how we act it out. I heard this story. I love documentaries. And I heard this story on a documentary that I was watching the other day. And it was about in the 1800s when Andrew Carnegie was, he was 
charged to build a bridge across the Mississippi River and connecting the east and the west. In that time, almost every bridge uh, was a, I mean, it was a big deal at that time. They didn't have steel at that time. And he was famous for using steel to build this bridge. It was one of the first times that they used steel at that level because the Mississippi was so strong that the bridges wouldn't hold up. In fact, in those days, one out of four bridges would collapse. So people were scared of it. It was daunting. It was such a huge thing, but he decided he was going to do it. A lot of delays, a lot of money, a lot of risk. He gets the whole thing done. But because there were one in four bridges collapsed in those days, people were scared to go across it. And especially since it was new untested material. So at the time he had heard uh, somewhere or read somewhere that due to their natural instincts, elephants would not walk across foundations that they were unstable, they felt were unstable. So he has this idea or somebody has this idea, let's take an elephant across the bridge to show everybody that it's safe. So they did, they got a big elephant and they walked it across that bridge. And I believe the bridge is still standing today, but they walked the elephant across the bridge and they walked with it and everybody all of a sudden had the confidence, okay, this bridge is safe. An elephant won't walk across anything unstable. And it did. And so they walked across it. It's a pretty cool story. Um, but I just start thinking about it in our context with God. Do we trust God at his word? Or do we need some sort of circumstantial evidence and to see it with our eyes before we'll actually start to act in faith? That's really the message. Because when we're in distress or we're in delay, sometimes we gotta admit it's hard for us to trust. And if we don't trust, it's hard for us to obey. But we have to settle in our heart that God is the bridge maker, that God is the one who's building our life, that it, do we really believe that God is trustworthy? We need to put our act in the right place. And to do that, we have to settle what we believe. And to do that, we have to get with Jesus. See, a lot of us, um, maybe in this time, of, if you're in a time of distress or delay, there's a temptation um, for us just to want to get away and to be refreshed and all of that's positive and all that's good. In fact, the other day I was just, I saw a picture of Estes Park, Colorado and the mountains and almost tears just came to my eyes. I was like, I got to get to some mountains soon. And that's fine. Some of you guys, maybe it's a beach for you or whatever. And all of that's fine. If we want to try to get refreshed in a delay or refreshed in our distress, but it doesn't last if we don't understand that if we are going to do that, we have to do that with the purpose of seeing Jesus and getting with Jesus because Jesus is the only one who can bring us true peace. Jesus is the only one that can truly settle our heart in distress. Jesus is the only one that can, that, I mean, we can go to the beach and we can go to the mountains and we can do all of those things, but those things are temporary fixes. And we can go to them with the heart of being with Jesus. Jesus, uh, he says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30, it says this, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest in distress or delay, trust and obey. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you find yourself in a season like this where you find that you're re reacting rather than responding, maybe it's time to get with Jesus. Maybe it's time to find rest in him. Maybe it's find time to, to trust him because we have to be healthy if we're gonna be helpful. 
And so I wanna just pray for everybody today as we close. If you find yourself in that situation, let's pray right now. God, we thank you so much that we believe that our rest can be found in you, that even if we find ourselves in distress or delay, we can trust and we can obey. And today we lean into you. We lean in, we, we know that you are full of truth and you're full of grace. And you said that if we would go to you, that your burden is easy and it's light and we can, we can exchange our burden for yours. And I pray for anybody right now who's in a distressful, a stressful time, a distress, a delay season where we're tempted to give up or to be exhausted or to lose hope or to quit on the promises that you've given us. I pray for a supernatural encouragement to come right now. And we believe that that's gonna happen because you are faithful and that's who you are. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.